a motion to compel the testimony of former Vice President Mike Pence following Donald Trump's baseless assertion of executive privilege and Pence's assertion of speech and debate clause immunity. Then let's turn to Arizona, where it was revealed this week by the new Democratic Attorney General Chris Mays that her predecessor, Republican Attorney General Mark Bronovich, that he concealed a report that his office prepared after 10,000 hours of investigatory work showing that there was absolutely no evidence of election fraud in Arizona. This <laughs> while, Bronovich was out there wow. on the Steve Bannon show and others spreading conspiracy theories about Fucking the 2020 ridiculous. election for Donald Trump. Look, I think Bronovich needs to be disbarred. We'll talk about it on this episode. Meanwhile, a federal judge in Washington, D.C., ordered Donald Good Trump point. to sit for a deposition in the yeah. Peter Strzok wrongful termination lawsuit in federal court in Washington, D.C. Um, and this is a wrongful termination that was, lawsuit that was filed against the FBI. Let's talk about those implications. And what is going on in Fulton County? Earlier this week, the foreperson of the special grand jury, Emily Kors, gave an unexpected and let's just call it questionable media tour, although... Later in the week, the presiding judge, Robert McBurney, said there was no problem with it. Let's discuss the implications of this and just generally what's going on in Fulton County where things looked very organized, things looked very much on the tracks where they were supposed to be headed. Um, and there does look to be some disorganization there, and you compare that to the frankly, organization of special counsel Jack Smith's work. So let's talk about that all. But Michael Popak, how are you doing today? I'm doing I'm doing great. I'm doing I'm on the road again. As people on Wednesday I was in Atlanta, not because of the special purpose grant juror. Looking good, Lord Popak. Exclamation point. You look tan. Going on network television because I was there. And now I'm in Miami, although you can't tell from the curtain behind me. Listen, I love all of our segments today like children. Like, I don't have any favorites. But what the actual F is going on in Fulton County, we'll get there. We will get there indeed. For all of our audio listeners only, Popak is rocking those original controversial uh, glasses that really split the legal AF community. Um, but he's been doing some variations. We're back to those original large black glasses. And we'll talk about that, too, maybe later in the show. But let's get right into the legal news. Special counsel Jack Smith subpoena of Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner, of course, both testified before the January 6th committee. Look, Ivanka Trump was there during the insurrection. She was there in the White House when Donald Trump was making phone calls to former Vice President Pence and threatening him and saying, don't count the votes, don't count the electoral votes, throw it to the state legislatures. And Pence refused to do that, begrudgingly refused to do that, because I think Pence if he could try to figure out a way to break the law, would have tried to do that. And we see what a spineless coward 
he is right now. And Ivanka was also at the Ellipse. We see her in the video there while the Trump family was literally dancing as our uh, democracy uh, was being threatened and as a free and fair election was trying to be contested through a violent coup. And Jared Kushner flew back from the Middle East where he was cutting personal deals for himself, likely including the $2 billion he received from the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund after Donald Trump left office, even though Kushner doesn't manage money. He's now a money manager and got a $2 billion check from the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund. Look, they both um, testified before the January 6th committee. So one of the questions is, is there going to be new information that Special Counsel Jack Smith is focused on here? Um, and I think the answer is yes. And I'll give you my take, and then I want to hear yours, Popak. I think that Special Counsel Jack Smith is far more interested as well in the financial crimes that Donald Trump committed in addition to the actual violent insurrection, in addition to the fake elector scheme, in addition to the threats that Donald Trump had made um, to state and local election officials. And so we know, for example, that one of the focuses of Special Counsel Jack Smith's investigation is on potential money laundering and campaign finance violations. And Donald Trump potentially creating, it looks like he did create, these uh, LLCs that he had individuals in his inner circle uh, control where money would be routed to that LLC so that Donald Trump's committees, uh, whether it's his political action groups or other campaign committees, would just report, we now know the number to be close to $800 million that was just being sent to this LLCs, but you wouldn't know who the end recipients were. So I think Special Counsel Jack Smith's going to be focused um, far more on the financial crimes here. And also, let's not forget, there's not only a criminal grand jury about election interference, there is a criminal grand jury as well about Donald Trump's theft of uh, government records, thousands of government records, including sensitive compartmented information. And while at first blush they may seem to be unrelated, I think they're inextricably intertwined because one of the reasons Donald Trump wanted to and needed to stay in power such that he needed a violent coup was he was doing the bidding of foreign powers. And when he left, I think it was his intent to continue to do the bidding of foreign powers and our enemies. And we know Special Counsel Jack Smith has been asking lots of witnesses about Donald Trump's relationships with foreign governments and foreign leaders. And could he have been using these documents? I think he was very transactionally in order to exchange favors and get money from these various uh, foreign entities. And as we know, for example, the Saudis having golf tournaments at Trump golf courses while Donald Trump spreads conspiracies about September 11th. I mean, how heinous and despicable uh, can you be there? And really, these foreign interests, our foreign enemies, are Donald Trump's only way of making money these days. And so, of course, Donald Trump, who we know is a complete and utter treasonous traitor, would do that. But I want to get your take, Popak, about <laughs> Special Counsel Jack Smith's subpoena here. What do you think the implications are? Do you think there'll be it's some bombshells? Or you think traitor. it's just going to be a rehash of what the January 6th committee did? Traitor. Yeah, well, well, let's start treasonous with it this way. Terrorist. The fact that Ivanka 
Mike Pence and Jared are being dragged, kicking and screaming into grand juries. We don't know exactly which ones yet. You've identified at least three of them. For me, it means that we're at the beginning of the end of the prosecutions, not the end of the beginning. You don't bring in these apex people at the very top. In the very, you can't get any more inner circle than blood relations and in-law relations for Donald Trump. There's nobody closer to him, probably even than his own wife, than Ivanka. And the fact that she's been dragged, is going to be dragged in, we're going to see if there's going to be an attempted assertion of executive privilege. Although I would argue that it's been waived, because Donald Trump, for whatever reason, strategically, or he's a moron, did not assert executive privilege when they testified about many of these same topics in front of the Gen 6 committee. So I'm not sure he's going to be able to now, like a shield and a sword, you know, I think if you have executive privilege, you need to consistently enforce it and apply it. And if you don't, you don't. And I, I think he's sort of um, not able to assert that privilege. And of course, if he tries to assert the privilege, the current holder of the privilege, the current occupant of the Oval Office, Joe Biden, will waive it. And so that will fall by the wayside. Which of the many grand juries, the Jan 6, the election interference, the money laundering slash uh, campaign fundraising grift the and the related issues that you identified, Ben, about the connections between Donald Trump and foreign powers, the Mar-a-Lago, as you said, transactional use of documents. I don't know yet, but we do know from the Jan 6 committee and from her other statements, including the video that the Jan 6 committee took special relish in running over and over again to stick it to Donald Trump, was, you know, Ivanka, was a, not only a fly in the wall, but an active participant in some main events in this, in all of these prosecutions. She's in the room, in the dining room for almost the three hours during the dereliction of duty. Yeah, She's there when, when he calls, her father calls Mike Pence and uses the P word and encourages him to overthrow the will of the people and not certify the election. She's there for, <clears throat> pardon me, for all of that. Um, she sided with Bill Barr, who called all fraud allegations that Donald Trump was hanging his hat on bullshit. I'm not paraphrasing. That's his words. She agreed with him. To the extent that either this is a grand theater piece arranged by the Trump family, led by Donald Trump, or Donald Trump has consistently attacked Ivanka, um, leading to her testimony. Because when she sided with Bill Barr, he immediately went on Twitter or whatever he, whatever social media platform he was on at that moment and said, basically, she's an idiot. She's, she hasn't been in the inner circle for a long, long time. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And she was just being kind or friendly to an old man and Bill Barr who lost it. You know, so he's gone out of his way to attack her and Jared when she said, I'm not helping. Cause I, I think they hoped by, by leaving their life, their cushy life, their royalty life in New York and relocating to relative anonymity in Miami on on um, an Indian Creek, you know, the billionaire row that she lives on with her husband, building, building a house there, and leaving all of her friends and her synagogue behind and her social relationships and charitable relationships and trying to start again in Miami with, uh, you know, the, the billions of dollars of grift her family has accumulated. I'm sure they hope by also not helping the current campaign, they would sort of lower the temperature on them, lower the target on them. But that's that's not going to happen. Like, oh, I hope they don't remember us. We're down here in. in
convince the attorney general that she's really out of the business. You know, sort of like Michael Corleone when he moved to uh, moved out west to California, you know, to get legitimate after he left the Corleone family business in New York. You know, Ivanka is trying to convince people that she's gone legit now in Miami and doesn't have those ties. He attacked her even then. He, he said when she said, I'm not going to help his campaign when that reporting came out. You know, Donald Trump got on on his Twitter, whatever feed and said she wasn't asked. In other words, she didn't quit. You know, I fired her. Now, so there's a there is a tension going on here, whether whether true or made up um, by the by the parties. We don't know that yet. Um, but she's in harm's way right now because she's not going to be able to that executive privilege is going to fall away quickly. She is going to sit in a chair and have to answer questions before prosecutors working for Jack Smith in one of three or four grand juries. We don't know exactly which yet. We know there's going we know the MO here. We know the blueprint. There's going to be a skirmish over the executive privilege assertion that's going to go currently to Beryl Howell, the chief judge of the court in DC circuit. We're going to talk about her a little bit later as well in the segment that we're going to do about about Pence and others. And then it's she's going to rule either, either because Biden has dropped the executive privilege or because there is no executive privilege. It's been waived in the past by Donald Trump. And then she's going to you know, either have to take it to the D.C. Court of Appeals and then a fast track to the Supreme Court. But it's not like she's the vice president. You know, the fact that she once executive privilege is stripped away from her, which is going to be quickly, she's going to have to testify about these things. And you could be right. Ben. I, I'm not pushing back much on your financial crimes analysis. Certainly, if somebody were to know about that, the person who at the relevant time periods was front and center in helping to run those businesses, she was very public about it, about, you know, I'm in control. I'm in charge now. I'm in the I have the controls. And then Jared's got his own unique problems as well. <clears throat> Pardon me. You know, he tried to separate very quickly, was in Saudi Arabia raising money on Jan 6 because he saw, apparently he saw his father-in-law spiraling down the drain and out of control with all these crazy theories and wanted to get away from the bomb blast as quickly as possible. So he's been trying even earlier than, than uh, Ivanka to get as far away from a, a destructive um Donald Trump, or to paraphrase Fox News and Tucker Carlson that's come out in the Fox files, Donald Trump is a destroyer and we can't let him destroy us. And Ivanka and Jared saw that early on, but now we're going to have to pay the price and testify before all these things. So we'll do that. Are we going to do uh, Pence next? Uh, we're going to do Pence. We're going to do Pence yeah. next, but you got Kushner, one of the arsonists out in Saudi Arabia, basically looking for new tools to kind of come back here and to further cause damage to our great democracy. What a fascist traitor that piece of crap is. But I digress. Let's talk about another, though, I think coward right here, and this is Mike Pence. And look, do you give Mike Pence some credit for the fact that he didn't support the overthrow of our democracy? Well, that's a pretty freaking low bar right there to give someone a pat on the back. Kudos, Pence, you followed the Constitution and you didn't commit multiple felonies, including seditious conspiracy and treason. Certainly not a hero, and I would argue, frankly, a completely spineless coward who enabled Donald Trump throughout and frankly wanted to figure out a way 
how he could support Donald Trump's coup, but based purely on self-preservation, um, ultimately <laughs> did it. You know, we learn more about his conversations with Dan Quayle, for example, where over and over Pence asked if there was anything he could do. You, you have, you, you, and then Quayle would be like, you have no flexibility on this, none, zero, forget it, just shut up, put it, put it away, Quayle told them. Pence pressed again, quote, you don't know the position I'm in. You don't know the position I'm in, Dan Quayle. No, and, and, and you forget, remember Quayle, like, that was those were the days where someone's reputation in political office would be damaged if you didn't spell potato correctly. You know, now you have Republicans out there just calling for national divorce and secession, and that's platformed. I mean, Quayle's reputation literally shut down on the basis of not spelling potato correctly. Um, but let's go into uh, <laughs> Pence. We know that Pence was served with a subpoena um, to testify before the criminal grand jury and to produce documents within the past uh, two weeks. We broke that news here uh, on the Midas Touch Network. And then the week after that, Pence stated, well, you know what? I really need to be treated like I'm a senator because you see my ceremonial roles under Article One of the Constitution as the president of the Senate I preside over certain things like the counting of the electoral votes on January 6th. So even though I'm an executive branch official, let's just call me senator, okay? And you know, there's that thing called the speech and debate clause, which protects uh, or provides immunity for members of the House of Representatives and senators for statements that they make on the House floor, which has been interpreted by the United States Supreme Court case gravel to basically encompass all legitimate legislative activities so basically because of my ceremonial role as president of the senate i view that as a legitimate legislative role and therefore everything that's related to the january 6th insurrection i should not have to testify about not because of executive privilege or anything like that because my role as a president as the president of the Senate. So that was his argument. Fast forward a little bit to this past week. Donald Trump then also asserts the executive privilege, which to me actually may undercut the speech and debate clause claim that he was president of the Senate. If you're trying to assert both, I would think that perhaps in a snarky footnote, the Department of Justice could put that out in the motion to compel. Well, on the one hand, you have Trump claiming executive privilege, which, by the way, the Biden administration doesn't recognize, and which you, Judge Beryl Howell, the presiding judge who's going to make this decision, have consistently ruled against Donald Trump's assertion of executive privilege when he's tried to make it with people like Pat Cipollone, the former top White House lawyer, Patrick Feldman, who is Cipollone's top deputy, Mark Short, Pence's former chief of staff, and Greg Jacobs, uh, Pence's former uh, general counsel, um, I think you could do a snarky footnote there, uh, Popak, but um, Special Counsel Jack Smith isn't playing around here because he immediately filed a motion to compel, and it is what it sounds like. Compel Pence to stop being a spineless coward who is not helping our democracy and have him testify. And so how do you do that? You file a motion with the presiding judge, Judge Beryl Howell, who presides over uh, the criminal grand juries, all of the criminal grand juries in Washington, D.C. Her term is set to expire on March 17th, but she's held this, this role for some years. So any criminal grand jury, and because these are criminal grand juries that exist, the ones um, investigating Trump's 
criminal conduct. She's the decision maker there. Um, all of her previous rulings have mostly all been in the favor of the Department of Justice. And here, Jack Smith is saying, look, compel Pence to sit before the grand jury. Ultimately, Pence can appeal to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, um, and he could appeal ultimately to the United States uh, Supreme Court. But Pence, um, you know, first the first layer of decisions going to go with uh, Judge Beryl Howell there. And before I pass it to you, Popak, I mean, I think here is the arguments that I think I, I make in this order. One, um, no executive privilege, Judge Beryl Howell, look at what you've ruled previously with Cipollone and Philbin and Short and Jacobs. Former presidents don't get to assert it. Sorry, uh, Biden hasn't asserted it. And there's a compelling need in any way. Let's dispose very easily of the executive privilege. You move over to the speech and debate clause immunity. First off, Pence isn't entitled to it. He was a vice president. He's not a senator. The speech and debate clause clearly just refers to um, uh, members of Congress, senators, and members of the House of Representatives. He is neither. In any event, even if you claim that he has some level of speech and debate clause claim, it should only be in the moment when he is acting in that ceremonial role. And here we are looking for all of this other information leading up to the insurrection, the day of the insurrection, when he was not doing a ceremonial role, what he heard and what he observed. And then my third argument is also is that we know that the speech and debate clause also does not apply to things that are not legitimate legislative activity. And you observing people overthrowing democracy is not legitimate legislative activity. And there we can think about when Lindsey Graham, senator from South Carolina, tried to assert speech and debate clause immunity in a later topic we're going to talk about, which is Fawnie Willis's criminal uh, investigation before the special grand jury in Fulton County, where Graham asserted speech and debate clause immunity, and the district court, the Ninth Circuit, and ultimately the Supreme Court basically said, look, there may be areas that are legitimate legislative activity, but when you gave, um, when you made these comments um, to uh, the Secretary of State and to others, you were not engaged in legitimate legislative activity. You were extorting. Uh, that that could be, you know, viewed as that was certainly not legitimate legislative activity. And statements to the press are not legitimate legislative activity. So, Popak, what do you think? All right, let me see what I could advance here as we covered a lot of ground on that one. First of all, let's start with the lawyer that represented Pence when he had to make all decisions about, besides getting advice from Dan Quayle, Greg Jacobs brought in J. Michael Luddig, a conservative, well-respected, now-retired federal judge, often referred to as the father of the Supreme Court modern because many of the people that served there came through as clerks of Luddick, and he has close relationships with people on the Supreme Court. He just published a guest essay in the New York Times just the other day. It's under the title, Conser A Conservative Case for Avoiding a Repeat of January 6th. But within it, he is taking his former client, Mike Pence, to task, who he told in no uncertain terms, just as, just as Quayle said, but this is with the imprimatur of being a federal judge, former federal judge, well-respected. You don't have any powers here, Mike. You can't, you can't do what Trump is asking you to do. You're ceremonial. You watch 
envelopes being opened. You bang a gavel and you declare a winner and that's it. And this other fake elector stuff and all the other things you're being asked to do, you cannot do. And it's public from the Jan 6 committee testimony through Greg Jacobs and others that uh, Pence relied on that advice in not um, helping to overthrow America. Now that same uh, judge slash lawyer is taking Pence to task in public. He even says one of the reasons he wrote the guest essay is to put pressure on Pence to realize that he this Hail Mary defense of speech and debate or executive privilege that he is putting up, and this is in, what, in Luddick's word, Hail Mary pass, is going to be shredded really, really quickly. And since you're running for office or you want to run for office as the president of the United States, if you think you're going to time this thing out and push it so far off into the future that you won't have to be dragged into the grand jury until well after like the primaries, that's not going to work because this is on a fast track. First stop on the train is, as you said, Ben, if it happens in March, which it will, is Beryl Howell. Beryl Howell, who the Department of Justice is batting like 950 in front of. These are beyond Hall of Fame numbers in winning every time. So Beryl Howell, prediction, she's going to rule against Mike Pence. Trump is going to assert the executive privilege as he has. She's going to analyze it. And the Department of Justice is in an interesting position. And they're being very nuanced in the executive privilege issue. But we'll focus on that for a moment. In some cases, and we're going to talk about it when we get to Strzok and Page and the former FBI uh, people that were also in a relationship who are suing to get their jobs back because they were fired by the FBI under Trump because they were, you know, anti-Trump in private. There, the Department of Justice is actually, in a way, on the side of Donald Trump, but on the side of executive privilege. And there, Amy Berman Jackson, we're going to talk about her later, she wants to hear what Joe Biden, current holder of the executive privilege, has to say about that. So it's not that the Department of Justice is always stripping away executive privilege. Sometimes, as we've said, you know, politics and law make strange bedfellows. Sometimes it's sort of they're on that side of the Trump side because they have broader historical um, considerations to make when they're doing their um, their their litigating in the courtroom. But here it's clear. Mike, 